0: hello and welcome to the hole in my heart podcast this is episode 67 holy sexuality and the gospel
1: and yeah and it's not holy sexuality batman <laughs> batman it's just no. holy i don't know if you can ever say just holy but any okay i digress Zorinx. <laughs> Zorinx. uh we're 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 running. We're running with the show right now. But my name is Lori Krieg, and we are coming at you from Grand Rapids, Michigan. And I am here with a licensed therapist and recent birthday boy, mm. and my husband Matt. Matt, how old are you? Big six zero.
2: Not not quite that. I'll be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thirty four. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of time before the big 6
1: Well, I am still the ripe young age of 32 until For,
2: tomorrow. Yeah, there
0: you so go.
1: Then I'll be 33. Wow. Yeah.
2: Should have
0: baked a cake.
1: Yeah. Oh. Where's cake? Come on, producer Steve, <laughs> sorry, which. Sorry. <laughs> Hello, producer Steve. You are our producer and the most professional radio voice among us. I said radio, not very professionally. <laughs> I just slurred my words oh, right together. I didn't
0: even notice. <laughs> but happy birthday, guys.
1: Thanks. Thanks. It's kind of fun to do the whole like celebrating together thing. Yeah. It took us like five years to figure out that we had the same birthday ish, like three days apart. Right. And then we're like, why are we not taking advantage of this? <laughs> like creating an epic party, which I'm still trying to convince Matt about. epic party. We'll see. Anyway, we have a very special guest with us today who we are super excited to talk about holy sexuality and the gospel with, Dr. Christopher Yuan. That's the title of his new book. But he has taught Bible at Moody Bible Institute for over 10 years, and his speaking ministry on faith and sexuality has reached Five continents. He speaks at conferences, on college campuses, and in churches, and he has co-authored with his mother their memoir, now in seven languages, which is crazy and amazing, Out of a Far Country, A Gay Son's Journey to God, which I read right when it came out, and then I know Matt and I both read it and really appreciated it, Um, and so it's A Gay Son's Journey to God, A Broken Mother's Search for Hope, which I love that back and forth between son and mom, which is such a critical relationship. And today's book that was released in november 2018 which is called holy sexuality and the gospel sex desire and relationships shaped by god's grand story and christopher has degrees from moody bible institute wheaton graduate school and a doctorate in ministry from bethel seminary so welcome christopher
3: thank you so much for having me on Lori and matt it's really a blessing
1: yeah well thank you for joining us and where are you calling us from
3: Well, uh, I guess kind of close to you guys. I'm also in the Midwest in the windy city of Chicago. (laughs) Oh, yes. My kind of town, Chicago is.
1: (laughs) Why is it your kind of town? Because if you
3: notice, Frank Sinatra, I mean, we talk about Yoda. He's like probably the first person to do Yoda talk.
1: (laughs) Oh, Yoda.
3: my kind of town, Chicago is. Yes,
1: there oh, you go. I got it. Okay, yep. and again, anytime someone refers to Star Wars, you are welcome in this place, Christopher. <laughs> okay.
0: so. And Sinatra.
1: And I know, right? Yeah. That's, you're just hitting it right out of the park already. <laughs> um, but we're so excited to have you and dive into your latest book and and hopefully offer some. We love just talking this big gospel picture on this podcast as well as offering some really practical. I don't know, just things that we can wrestle with and talk through Um, just for anyone who's wrestling similar to some of my journey or Christopher's journey or someone who's walking alongside someone wrestling with their sexuality or gender. But first, you guys know, this is is not our first day on this podcast. We're not gonna (laughs) dive into that yet. We need to take a little breather and we're gonna do the question of the week from last week, which is what is your favorite name of God and why? So, Christopher, let's swing it over to you. What is I get your favorite? Huh? Yeah, yeah, we let you.
3: All right. Well, um, I mean, there's there's so many. Um,
1: and it doesn't have to the be names like of your God really reflect you
3: know yeah. his character. So the one that I I think that I really love and resonate is uh, that God is healer. So Yahweh mm. Rapha, um, oh, yeah. Lord who heals. Um, you know, especially with my past. Uh, My health with having HIV, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just an incredible reminder that um, on this side of glory, we're gonna we're gonna suffer.
2: Um,
3: God's grace is still sufficient, um, and yet He is the one who heals. I mean, He promises us that in Isaiah fifty three, right? By His wounds, Mm -hmm. we are healed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, so I cling to that. You know, Revelation twenty one. He's gonna wipe every tear. um, No death, Mm -hmm. which which I was just thinking about the other day. You you guys know David Phelps, the incredible tenor singer.
1: I don't know. Um, he if sings I do. a
3: song No oh my goodness. You have to go to YouTube later okay. and just watch it. David Phelps.
1: Okay.
3: And and No More Night. It'll just like if you does if that doesn't bring you to tears, yeah. like your your tear ducts are dried up. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta get a little it's pretty heart horrible.
1: check. Yeah. Yeah. So oh I yeah. love
3: that. Ex- Lord,
1: and it seems like, I don't know, like the older you get, the more you're like, oh, I just can't wait until <sighs> the suffering no. is over, right? Mm-hmm. Which yes, just know. makes you understand, Paul, just a shred. Um, how about you, Matt? Who, which listener did you resonate with and which name is your favorite? It doesn't have to be all time, but right now.
2: Yeah, the, the listener that I really resonated with was, was Jenny, who said, Emmanuel. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, she said that God with us, she loves the reminder that in every season, every joy, every heartache, every stretch of mundane ordinariness, God is present with us, walking alongside us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, coming out of the Christmas season, my favorite Christmas song being O Come, O come, Emmanuel, like that, that's always mm-hmm. been a name that kind of sticks with me. But so the one that's resonating with me right now happens to be, and I'm going to try and say this correctly, Aya Asher Aya meaning the eternal all-sufficient God, and it's it's where God is speaking to, to Moses and saying, I am who I am. Mm. Mm. I am eternally all-sufficient. And that one, for some reason, is just really powerful for me yeah. right now in this moment, and I actually don't know why mm. it's there. Mm.
1: Steve?
0: Well, I like what Nikki said, just El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, that just, I don't know, I just thought that was... I mean, I kind of have to get over the Amy Grant song.
3: Oh, first, I know. Yeah. I mean, that's every time you say that. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, uh, I, I, I can't it. help but to sing it. I exactly. But that. Al- you I don't know. I, you know, I had no clue what that meant. When I
1: <laughs> no, but you're singing it. Doesn't matter.
3: Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, all sufficient one. I think that's really good. I was um, thinking Emmanuel um, earlier. When I was thinking about this question, Mm -hmm. you know, from last week when you asked it, but for some reason today I have, um, Lord of hosts on my Mm. mind, which I know is also has been translated God of angel armies yeah. uh, Mm -hmm. and Chris Tomlin says it that way as well.
1: Singing it again. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But, uh, some, for some reason, Lord of hosts, maybe because I'm old school, I don't know that just, to me it conjures, um, like, ah, and I can't think of the story from the old Testament where. Uh, someone's uh, like eyes were open. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah, It's uh, Elisha Elisha? his servant. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And they, they got to see that host Mm -hmm. of the angel army. Basically they're fighting on their behalf. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just, Mm -hmm. I just love that idea that there is this reality that I uh, can't perceive, but it is right there.
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. Amen. I really liked Cassie's and she talked about how Yahweh is her favorite right now. Just that, how his name is like breath and so when we first are born and we're saying his name just that Mm -hmm. Yahweh um, and how he's with us right now even as we're breathing so I really liked that my all-time favorite name of God is always Elroy, which is the God who sees me uh, which was Hagar who said that uh, Mm -hmm. when she was really getting beat up Um, Mm -hmm. and then she goes out in the desert and so God just saw her and I just feel like that's something I can't get enough of It's just God just being like, I see you right where you're at, whether you're in that suffering place. That's usually where I need it the most, Mm -hmm. isn't it? Where we need it. We start looking up when we're down. Um, So that's always, that's always my go-to.
2: Is there a song that that one can be, an Amy Grant song in particular that can be tied to?
1: (laughs) I think Amy just needs to circle back and do another tour. So (laughs) bring it back, Amy, A.G., all right, Goofball Island, where we can get to know our guest and take a vacation from our problems. So let's go. Time for Goofball Island. And we've done this one several times, Table Topics, because it's just great. And I just grabbed the card game. If you guys are wondering where it comes from, you can just jump right on to Amazon and download and Table Topics. And you can play it at your <laughs> next birthday party, except it's not really a game. It's just talking. Uh, and the vehicle we... Our taking, of course, is that Lazy Susan. Bring it around, Sam. Sing it again, Sam. Sing it again, Amy. (laughs) All right, (laughs) Christopher. We're looking at you now. Uh, Okay, we got five questions for you uh, for this round of Goofball Island, which really is just for our, our audience to get to know you. First one. What fashion trend have you followed, but now it looks <laughs> ridiculous? Please tell us.
3: Well, I grew up in the 80s, so hey. any fashion trend from the <laughs> 80s is ridiculous. Yeah, uh, I mean, it looked great then. We thought it was fantastic. Yeah. Um, you, you know, do- I mean, just the pleats and pants. So MC Hammer pants. No, oh, I didn't yeah. have them oh, yeah. as enormous as MC Hammer. Yeah. Um, but, oh, yeah. I mean, everything had to be pleated, those pants and even like shorts and Oh man, baggy, yeah. you know, baggy shirt, baggy sweaters. Yep, yep. And um,
1: I'm seeing I'm that a- come back though, Christopher. So. Yeah,
3: I know. Have you know. seen it I'm,
1: with the I've, pleats and the pants and the everything yes. huge? Yeah.
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm not going there anymore. <laughs> but, but but I'm not going with the tight jeans either. So I'm yeah. I'm resisting that that trend.
1: Yeah, <laughs> to stay solidly in the middle, no pleated That's Dockers. Tight, Just hang yes. out right there.
3: Yep, simple. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Did you ever have like a rat tail? I mean, and I'm seeing no. people legit oh, do no. that now. That okay. so,
3: I, but I would have if my parents would have let me. <laughs> mm.
1: Mm. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I know Matt has like longing sentences he can say about yeah, one of no. his friends'
2: rat tail. <laughs> yeah, the rat tail. <laughs> one of my friends grew a very, very good rat tail and got paid like a hundred bucks to cut it off. So <laughs> I'd say it was worth it.
3: Although wow. the five years of that like being with that it. That would be worth it. Wow. <laughs>
1: All right. In which activity would you like a lesson from an expert?
3: Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I grew up playing the piano and I would love to get back if ever oh, I have yeah. some time. So I would love to, um, I mean, it's been a while since I've really, uh, had a good lesson from an expert. So maybe that, or I love singing and I'm not good at it. So <laughs> I'm like, so that would be another thing. So I've yeah. had piano lessons, so maybe singing. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm not good at singing, but yeah. I just, you know, I love singing. You know what I mean? Totally. How you can love something, but you're not, you know, you're not good at it, you yeah. know? So I, I sing in, you know, in crowds.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but not on stages yet. So if you had a little yes. expert.
2: Yeah. yeah. Are you going to be joining Amy on her, her reunion tour?
3: Yeah. No, <laughs> uh, it, in the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All
1: right. All right. If you knew you were going to inherit a fortune, how would your mm. plans change? Or would they?
3: Well, you know, I would say probably not much. I mean, the funny thing is, you know, and we'll get into this later. I mean, I'm I'm unmarried. I'm single.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and there's, you know, there's benefits that come with that as, as there are benefits as, as being married. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got a very, very, very simple life. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm living as people would in Asia or in Uh, in Israel ancient Israel and if you're single you are still at home so I I live at home uh, especially in the midst of all the traveling I do Mm. so I've got very very minimal expenses and I don't I don't know I mean I feel like I've got everything that I need and I don't think there's anything else that I would get in addition so Mm. yeah Mm.
1: that's really refreshing not much really (laughs) refreshing to hear (laughs) all Uh, right which maybe this plays right I'm living the dream put it that way (laughs) there you go and again, not many people could say that, I mean, for real, or that are content with where they at, are at. That's what I'm hearing. So maybe this just repeats some of those same sentences that you said, but do you tend to live in the past, the present, or the future?
3: Oh, so good. I, I And and this is actually part of one of, like, when I share my testimony, mm-hmm. that I really challenge people to live in the present, huh. um, not get so weighed down and bogged down in the past, um, not live so much in the future, but live in the present. Uh, and, and, and it comes down to kind of the lessons that I've learned from being HIV positive, that our mm. days are numbered. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, be, live all out for Christ today. And it, it doesn't mean like, you know, God isn't looking for numbers or even necessary p- performance, but it's yeah. our heart. Um, it's maybe making that difference in, in a person's life, just that one person. And and that can be enough. So and mm-hmm. definitely, definitely the present.
1: Yeah, oh, that's so good. And to just continue the very serious thread that we're in, <laughs> if you owned a boat, what would you what what would you name it?
3: Oh man, okay. So again, I'm showing my age. So you guys told your age. I'm forty. So I'm like, man, I'm so much older than you guys. I'm <laughs>
1: well, Steve's so, fifty. 16, so. years, yeah.
3: Sixteen years older than you, Lori. <laughs> okay. Uh, but so I'm in the eighties. So I grew up. Watching like those sitcoms, those classics. So like Gilligan's Island. So oh. I would name it the Minnow. I don't know there if you, you guys go. even yeah. Know. Yeah. 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 SS Minnow. Uh,
1: Matt knows. That's and right. Steve, oh, yeah. you know what? Oh up. yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> okay. <laughs> and not yeah. Bodie
1: McBoatface.
2: You would you would take it on many a three hour tour, is what I'm guessing.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but should right. the people call you Skipper or Gilligan? Mm, <laughs> I think I would probably be more Gilly. I mean mm. I'm a goofball and I've, yeah, <laughs> just the kind of the, you know.
1: A skipper, you know, <laughs> <laughs> That's that for me. Yeah. I love it. Well, thanks yeah. for playing our games with us. Um, and now we're going to take it to the heart of the matter. So, Christopher, we ask every guest who comes on here the same set of questions just because mm. we so want to hear, yes, like the past tense testimony, but I, I Pursue Jesus, like try to every day. And I love hearing the right now testimony of like, how is he still good? So if the gospel is, well, depends on how we're saying it, if this is a la Kurt Thompson, if you guys heard our episodes with Kurt Thompson who wrote The Soul of Shame, um, he told us to switch around the Tim Keller quote, so we did. So if the gospel is, I am more loved than I can imagine and more sinful than I believe, if that's the gospel, when was it first good news for you and how is it still?
3: Hmm. Well, you know, I wasn't raised in a Christian home, Uh, wrestled with my sexuality from a pretty young age. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't come out of the closet to my early 20s. So kind of a little later than than most. And um, I'm from Chicago, moved to Louisville to uh, I was pursuing my doctorate in dentistry. Um, I came out, told my parents and it crushed them mm. um, and they weren't Christian. So uh, it's it's really interesting how my story plays out, because uh, in essence, they gave me an ultimatum and they in, and they rejected me mm. Uh, mm. through that crisis. So I left. Uh, but that through that crisis, my mother comes to faith yeah. um, and then began like pursuing me. I mean, it was almost in a really... Uh, kind of obnoxious way on on my end. I thought it was obnoxious, but she began. To, she would not leave me alone, and so honestly, I, I get the exact opposite narrative. You you hear yeah. the narrative today: Christian parents reject their gay children, mm-hmm. uh, and I had the exact opposite. My non-Christian, my atheist mother and father rejected me Mm. as a gay man. And when they came to faith, they knew that they could do nothing other than to love their gay son as Christ loved them. Mm. Uh, Even when they were sinners, even when they were uh, powerless, you know, Romans five. So anyway, I, you know, I went in the opposite direction, want nothing to do with their radical newfound religion. Mm. Um, Unfortunately, I was, I got involved in drugs while in dental school. And and I always need to be really clear that this is my story. That's not uh, Mm -hmm. normative. Some do, some don't. But that is part of my story as I tell it. Um, And I was expelled from dental school just three months before I was supposed to receive my doctorate. Moved to Atlanta, Georgia. I kept doing what I knew how to do best at that time, which is sell drugs. <laughs> yeah. And I became a supplier to other dealers in over a dozen states. Uh, my parents just prayed for a miracle. They they had no clue kind of the depth of my depravity in, in selling drugs, you know, and the party scene and um mm-hmm. but they knew above anything else that I need to know Jesus Christ. So they prayed for that miracle. They enlisted over a hundred prayer warriors from church, from the Bible study fellowship group. Mm. Oh. And um, that that answer to prayer came with a bang on my door and I was arrested. <laughs> so I found myself in jail and that was really the beginning of my journey. Um, and I found a Bible in the trash can, began reading it. Um, and first thing I was convicted of was my rebellion against God. Not not a, you know, Not even just the sexuality aspect, just my plain rebellion against God, um, mm. against I was rebelling against my government by breaking the law, I was rebelling against my parents by being, you know, just dishonoring them. Um, and uh, God just slowly re- revealed to me, and, and one of the first things that was really important for me was recognizing that I had put my whole life, my, my core identity in being gay. <laughs> this was my whole world. I mean, all my friends were gay. Ninety-five percent of my friends were gay men. I lived in a a gay apartment complex. I went to a gay Kroger. I went to a gay gym. Um, you know, everything about me was was gay, and all my friends in the world around me told me that what I what I knew to be true at that time that I am gay. This is who I am, and and God was telling me, you know what? That's not that that's not who you are. Uh, and so I had to answer that question. Well, who am I then? Um, and, and I realized that, you know, as a child of God, that my identity needs to be in Christ alone. So that was really important for me to be able to separate my sexuality from who I was. And um, and then I was able to address kind of the underlying issues of, um, you know, then what is sexuality and, and how do I, you know, wrestle with that? So it was that year in prison, I needed to be separated from the world to be able to kind of discern and, and to be able to study God's word. Um, so I was called to ministry, and uh, while in prison, and I applied to Moody Bible Institute, was accepted. Got out of prison in July of 2001, and I started the very next month in August. So I always joke, and I say, imagine, imagine the surprise of my classmates when I <laughs> answered their question, "What did you do this summer?" <laughs>
1: yeah, right. Got out of jail.
3: Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> Especially at uh, Moody,
1: I can imagine that. Exactly. <laughs> that was, right. Exactly. This you and you, you know, alone. I,
3: yeah. And then this is back in 2001. So they were still, you know, kind of dealing with, uh, some of the rules and stuff. And, oh, yeah. and so even people were, were saying, why would you go to Moody? There's a lot of rules. And I was like, you know what? Try prison first. This is awesome. I get to leave my room, whenever I want. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, yeah. So, yeah. And then now I think, you know, it's just amazing. I got, I, I had no clue what I wanted to do. I just knew I wanted to serve God. I want to serve the local church. And, um, I I studied at Moody. I fell in love with biblical languages, uh, took a couple years of Hebrew, a couple years of Greek at Mm -hmm. Moody, then went on to Wheaton, uh, where I studied another couple years of Hebrew, another couple years of Greek, and um, still didn't really know what what I wanted to do, except God was really putting these opportunities to uh, talk about his truth and grace on this issue of sexuality. Mm -hmm. Um, And just, I guess my speaking ministry just grew simply by word of mouth. Mm. Um and I was encouraged by Kay Warren to to write a book and uh she her agent helped me with that and she wrote mm. the foreword so that was t- in 2011 my first book and then uh, my this is really my newest book which really kind of flowed from that.
1: Yeah. Mm. Well, thank you for sharing that. It's always just so encouraging to hear how Jesus still grips people's lives mm-hmm. like it's just Amen. so good because you read it in the Bible. You just keep listening to the Gospels over and over, and it's like, ooh, another gospel story. It's just so Amen. good. It speaks to your spirit. Um, but why this book? Why this one on um, holy sexuality and the gospel? Why did it need to be written? Why are we compelled?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think there's uh, there's definitely books coming out um, on sexuality and, and from different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt, you know, I, I didn't want there just to just be, Oh, here's another book, you know, or here's yeah. another story. And, right. and, you know, and our, our story was already written. So I, I didn't want to just add another story. Um, I, I wanted to do something that I felt was missing. So I kind of look at the books that have written. So besides the one that are stories and, and memoirs, which I think mm-hmm. are also great and, yeah. and needed. Um, I felt uh, the other books were sort of in two categories. One was more the exegetical theology, right. uh, addressing like the ethics and morality question, and looking at the six texts, and 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 kind of debating and and going and going deep and looking at context and and word meaning, et cetera. And that's very important and necessary. So there, there's books on that. Um, and then other books that I would say are more practical theology. So. Um, how do we minister to those with same sex attractions? How do we develop stronger uh, relationships and friendships for those that are wrestling with these issues, facing loneliness, etc.? So, those mm-hmm. are also good practical theology. What I found missing was the in between. I think there was a jump that's made when we go from exegetical theology right. to practical theology. And what is that middle ground? I think that middle ground is more of the systematic and uh, biblical theology, hmm. which is um, so, and I know these are kind of big words. And, and honestly, when I went to Moody, I had no clue. I was like, what's the difference between you know biblical studies and theological studies? Well, this is, I'm going to kind of try to put it as, as simple as possible. Okay. Biblical studies will focus on the tree. Theological studies focus on the forest. Mm-hmm. So, for example, uh, what does this text say? What does this book of the Bible mean? What is this biblical author saying in this paragraph? That's kind of biblical exegesis, uh, you know, the exegesis part, mm-hmm. uh, whereas systematic theology, biblical theology looks at, well, what does the whole Bible say about humanity? What does the whole Bible mm-hmm. say about um, sin, what does the whole Bible say about sexuality? And mm-hmm. if we miss that step and we jump into kind of the praxis part mm-hmm. and we try to do right before we actually really have a good, the uh, you know, theology, a good, good foundation to stand on, right. we, you know, when we try to jump to do right before we think right, we may be doing wrong. So I think that's mm-hmm. an important aspect. And that's why I felt like what I wanted to do was, help us to look at, well, what is the doctrine of God, the doctrine of sin, the doctrine of man? Um, how does that help us to better minister to our friends and loved ones in the gay community? Mm.
1: You begin the book at this identity level. And mm. when, when you know, I talk with a lot of youth groups um, and not youth groups with just other churches as well, but it seems as if young people especially are having like a massive identity crisis which mm-hmm. I think has just been true with teenage angst in general is it's just a hard mm-hmm. age to be but how how can we resolve this and how can Christians engage this whole identity conversation differently both regarding sexuality but I don't know if you want to big picture it get more forest than trees
3: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah I think you're totally right Lori that that um, this is kind of an age old issue we, uh, we all wrestle with it I mean honestly I think that's like one of the main questions that ancient philosophers and modern philosophers are asking, who am I, you know, who, who are we? That's, you know, especially if, if there is no God, well then that's even more of a complex question that you need to ask ourselves. Do we create our identity? Do we create meaning for ourselves if there is no purpose? So honestly, I think we're all wrestling with that. Um, I I think that our youth have more, a bit more of a voice. Um, And, and, and I think, Um, I think they're really wrestling more with, with loneliness. I mean, as much as there is, you know, in our culture today with social media, Mm -hmm. um, there's something with, and and I don't know, I mean, I I guess I I don't necessarily have any specific, uh, research that might back this up, but I feel like the more technology there is, I think, I feel like the more lonely we are. Mm -hmm. Um, and is that the cause for the higher depression and suicidality? I don't know, but, but definitely we see that. Um, so how do we resolve that? I mean, I, I, you know, I, I, I come back to God, that's my background. So I'm going to go to God's word. Um, and and I think honestly, we all search, are, are searching for that adults, youth, um, in ancient times, modern times, we're searching for that. Who am I? Mm-hmm. Um and I think many of us we put our identity in the wrong thing, our core identity in the wrong thing. It could be in work, right? I mean we yeah. I'm sure you know people that are like all about the money. I got to, you know, have stability and security. Um or I mean it could be I know people who put like their core they're all in all with being a mom. Oh, yeah. Like that's mm-hmm. like their kids is their life. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean more so than normal. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean yes, and whether oh, yeah. that's their main response, but that's like everything to them. Yeah. Um, uh, so we can put our identity, and and I think God is just nudging us and saying, you know what? Yeah, these things can be important, or these can things can be totally not important, like money. Yeah. Um, I mean essential, but not like the, the most important. And and God is telling us, you know what? I I created you in my image, mm. and that's. That's the core of who we are. This is asking about essence. Who are we at the essence? You know, what's essential to who we are? Like, for mm-hmm. example, I'm a teacher. But I think, is that really who I am or what I do? because in thirty years, I won't teach anymore. you know, so would I still be a teacher? Um, I, I write, yes, but again, you know, I can stop writing. So, what is truly essential? And and, and I really believe that that essential aspect is Genesis one, verse twenty seven. We're created in God's image. That's a core and essential aspect of who we are. unfortunately, Genesis three came along. Adam and Eve, they had to eat that forbidden fruit, and so that has resulted in the fall. And that then has unfortunately brought a distortion of that image. Image hasn't been lost, but it's been distorted. And then comes Christ who came to restore that image. That's why I talk about God's grand story, creation, fall, redemption, and restoration or consummation. And I think having that kind of broad sweep of scripture uh, gives us an incredible, awesome framework for us to understand sexuality.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. So if, if I'm going to restate you some, if I think about students and young people and you look at some of the statistics about, you know, millennials are identifying 7% identify as LGBT and uh, Gen Z. So the the young, the whippersnappers right now, the next one's coming up, they are, identify 12% as LGBT. And, you know, there's some some in this conversation who will just – roll their eyes and be like oh it's just a trend and like just what you're saying with like this loneliness factor I tend to just say all of us are lost and some maybe all 12 percent maybe more percent are truly genuinely wrestling with their sexuality or gender but then the world offers this really safe space so even if you're genuinely wrestling you can't and some churches genuinely wrestle in the church because you're like rejected and automatically don't belong but the world says yes if you come out you get a flag and a label and a friend group and we're going to love and accept you just as you are which there's love there's greatness to that mm-hmm. like i am loved and accepted as i am but not to remain as i am so what what would you say to that like just even with does that aspect of the identity crisis.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, I, so I'm, I, I wouldn't be like in the, in the kind of the camp of the alarmists saying, Oh my goodness, looking at this high percentage. Yeah. I, I, on, I, I honestly think that, um, I sort of feel like that's always been there. It's just people haven't been able to have that freedom to, yeah. or uh, you know, be able be able to express it because that LGBTQ, you know, yeah. they have that B in there. And and if you look at the the most recent research, like from Lisa Diamond, who yep. is lesbian, mm-hmm. I mean, we we think about we we think about you know, gay and straight. Those are like the big groups, and then bisexual in the middle is. And and what she's saying is actually that that middle group is. Is higher than we expect, and is probably more so than the kind of those who identify as gay or lesbian. Because right. the gender um, so fluidity, think,
1: right? Like the gender, yeah, or so, the sexual so, fluidity, yeah.
3: Sexual fluidity, yeah. yeah. So, so people, there are more people um, that identify, yeah. and of course, I, I think, I mean, she's still saying that those who would be more on the side of the opposite sex attracted, that that still would be the greater, the majority, but um, uh, that, but the the people who are kind of in between that have experience of both might be greater than those that have just same. That's that's kind of her research, and it's very compelling. Um, but I, I think that, yes, I mean, there's a sense. So I kind of, I'm looking at both. Yes, there's a sense that we grieve in that uh, people that are identifying in that way then are going to the secular world, um, or just the world in general, and getting their answers that way. So there's a part that we can grieve there. But I think there's some positive that can come out of it in that, um, we're not able to, we are now able to address this more in, uh, among Christians in yes. the church yep. and then talk about it with youth because, yep. man, I mean, we can talk about it, you know, Lori, you and I, until mm-hmm. we're blue in the face, but if no, no one ever comes forward and say, hey, yeah. you know what, that's my story, or I'm wrestling with that too, yeah. we can't help anyone. Right. So the fact that yes, the world is talking about it more. Uh, but I think we can use that to our advantage to mm-hmm. say, you know what, let's let's be addressing this with our own youth in a in a very redemptive way. You yeah. know, I talk about how the church, um, uh, you know, we talk about the world having safe spaces, right? Mm-hmm. And I wonder, should not the church be the safest place in the world?
1: Oh yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: And the question is, I mean, are we safe? And and yep. I would say, well, I mean, I think we've got a lot to, you know, a yep. lot to, to grow and learn. But I also don't want to just be safe. I want to be safe and redemptive. Safe means we could sit in a circle. I can tell whatever's on my mind. That's great. And say, oh, thank you for sharing. But for me, safe and redemptive says that we're going to listen and, and I can I can tell whatever's on my mind, not feel like I'm going to be hit, hit over the head. And yep. after that, I'm going to say, you know what? I don't know if I have all the answers, but let's look to Christ yep. and let's do that mm-hmm. together. Yep. Um, that's the difference between safe in the world and safe and redemptive in the church.
1: Well, and the beauty of what you're saying, this really like looking at the 12% or the increased percent and then those coming forward, because I'm sure you get the calls to speak when a pastor's like, ah, it's everywhere. You
3: know? Yeah, <laughs> like, right. Fix fix, fix my fix, youth.
1: Help, please. Yeah, we get that too. <laughs> yeah. But the beauty of it is then you and I and all these people that God is, you know, tapping on the shoulder to talk about this. We lean in and we begin the conversation at LGBT, but then you blow it back up to the gospel. Then it's mm-hmm. like, all right, let's all start looking at our sexuality. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, um, we're all
3: fucking mm-hmm.
1: yeah. Okay, this is just a very specific question, but I've gotten this one, and I was fascinated because you address it in your book. Uh, but is God gender fluid? Because mm. this is a this is a big one that students are asking. You know. Yes.
3: Yes, it's a great question. So I do because, um, so backing up a little bit on uh, where that came up in my book, toward the beginning when I talk about the Imago Dei, the image of God, because you know, if if sexuality isn't who we are, then who are we? And I start with the image of God. Mm. Uh, And I talk about um, how, going right to Genesis 127, where uh, it says, uh, God created uh, man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him. Uh, male and female he created them so we find that in Genesis 127 and and, in our Bibles it should have broken them up as into three separate lines of poetry which actually are three parallel lines of poetry and if you see there is parallelism in there Mm. Um, and and I show how actually there's a direct correlation between the image of God in the image of God with male and female right there in Genesis 127 Mm. Uh, but then of course the question comes up to well you know is God uh, you know uh is God then male or is he female or is he you know is he transgender or what's the question so this is the reality so um, God isn't male uh, he isn't female or he isn't both yes we do call him father but he's not male in the sense of the anatomical or in the, in the sex or gender sense as we think about it uh, so what? Um Moses was doing when he was writing Genesis is actually, it, we see it as a polemic against um, the pagan false gods that were around the time in the ancient, ancient Near Eastern world. Because if you think about it, all those gods were male or they were female. And how did creation come about? Well, it was through the two, a male god and a female god coming together, having sex and then creating the world or, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, and actually, so what the, what the writer of Genesis, what Moses was doing is actually saying, you know what, God isn't male or female. He's, he's actually the one that created male and female. Um, so he's actually above the mm-hmm. polarity of sex since he created mm-hmm. sexual differentiation. So he's neither, uh, male nor female, um, that, that he's above all that. Um, Mm-hmm. And, and there's something that uh, I, I got this from uh, Richard Davidson. Uh, he wrote the big, humongous book, uh, "Flame of Yahweh." Uh, just a, I don't even know how many pages. It feels like a thousand pages. <laughs> but he was talking about how um, that male and female is is presented as a creation of God, and it's not part of divinity. It's not part of uh the divine realm and i think that's an important concept for us to realize yeah. um as we think about male and female and god
1: so then when people are like well to be gender fluid is to be more like god it's almost like them's fighting words I, I don't know like it's a little like in the way that you just said it and i need to think on this more but it's just a little bit interesting because it's like what well, no god's god you're not God mm-hmm, yeah. like you, yeah, to even yeah. a, attempt that is, is a little terrifying of a sentence to say the way that you just said that because like, no, 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 he's way above us.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He it created it. Different. And and also just, just talking about, and I think I mentioned this a little bit in, in my book too, because I mean, my book wasn't, wasn't really, it wasn't about uh, gender dysphoria or transgenderism. I, I touched on it. Um, but as people are wrestling with this concept of gender and of sex, uh, biological sex and the psychological reality of, of, of gender identity. Um, I, I, I help people realize that actually the way I view it isn't, it, it isn't so much kind of wrestling of what is male, what is female. I, I think it's more of a discussion about what is real what is true Hmm. uh because we have this kind of um we're weighing well i have this biological physical uh genetic reality of being uh male or female my sex uh but i also have this reality of um you know this uh my thoughts and uh the psychological reality of uh being uh, you know of, of thinking of myself as a man or a woman, and so which one are we going to be, I mean, there and they can be in, you know, if we're cisgender, then, you know, if they, then they match, but if they don't, then, you know, they, we call that transgender. So then which one are we going to prioritize more? Um, and so I think it's, then it's a battle of, of what is true, uh, what do what we define as real? What are we gonna put more priority on?
1: Hmm. That's good, that's a good addition to this conversation. So, you yourself, you know, you're talking about in your testimony, gospel sharing time at the beginning, um, just about how you realized that your primary identity was in Imago Day, and, and created in the image of God, and it wasn't in your gayness, for lack of a better term. Uh, mm. So, but does that mean, like, do you not still wrestle with attractions to the same mm. gender? And then how, how do you choose to identify then?
3: Yeah. So, um, I, you know, and in my, when I talk and when I speak, um, in my testimony, yeah. So I've, I still experience, uh, same sex attractions. I still have these, uh, temptations. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and of course, you know, being 48, uh, you know, sexuality, there's, it, it does change over time in intensity and, and, and the way that we, uh, engage uh, with others. So that there is that, um, I guess, I don't know what you call that, just the maturing or just getting old. Uh, <laughs> but um, so it's, I would not say it's definitely not the same as it was 20 years ago mm-hmm. um, or, you know, when I was 20. But um, it's so that that experience is still real and it's still uh, present. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I always tell people, um, uh, that, you know, we, all of us, as long as we're on this side of glory, we're going to be wrestling with temptation. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, it, you know, when someone says, Oh, I'm no longer tempted anymore. That's when I would sort of, you know, <laughs> yeah. my real red flag would come up and be like, really? Right. Uh, cause we're going to be tempted with something. Um, mm-hmm. I, I do believe God can God can miraculously take this away, as he can miraculously take away my HIV, as he can, you know, raise the dead. But Mm -hmm. that isn't the norm. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm, uh, I can, you know, live with an open hand, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe, you know, being open to that. But I'm not going to expect that. I'm Mm going to live realizing that even if he does take that away, guess what? I'm going to still wrestle with some other sin temptation, (laughs) whether it's, you know, pride or, or it will be opposite sex lust that I will have to resist. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, he is able. That's um, more
1: holy, Christopher. Opposite sex lust, I mean, is just kidding. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm joking, people. But we do have that stereotype in churches. It's like, oh, well, that's accepted here, but not your Yeah.
3: Well, uh, well, and if you remember, you know, if anything, people get my book and read the beginning of chapter six where I talk about that mother who said, I just want my son to be normal. And yeah. I was like, Okay, what's normal? Yeah, and just like my other son, you know, he's has a girlfriend, and they're about to have a baby. And I'm like, whoa, 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 wait, whoa, wait a what? second. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why can't my gay son just be like that? I'm like,
1: he's living in sin. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my word. God help us. <laughs> yeah.
3: Exactly. Sin is sin. So yeah, I don't I I choose uh, not to then identify, not to, but I'm not denying the the reality that um, I do still experience mm-hmm. uh, these uh, temptations toward the same sex, which um, aren't over consuming or overwhelming. Um, but um, yeah, I, I think it's it's a question of um, how we decide to identify and and choose, because I I think you know, and and of course many. Uh, my good friends uh, choose different labels, and mm-hmm. I really respect um, how they clarify this isn't – when I use this, this isn't who I am. And the reason why I don't is um, I, I realize these you – know, words matter. That's mm-hmm. that's what yeah. it always comes down to. Words do matter, and words are never um, – created or used or defined in a vacuum anymore, especially kind of some of these really big, important words uh, that, that are uh, very relevant in our culture today that have layers of meaning. Uh, there's a sociological aspect to the term uh, gay and lesbian that, in, in, in my sense, you know, kind of identifies this is uh, this is a modifier that I'm using that, that not only kind of describes my experience, but also I resonate more with this community. And I will have to say, at this point, I don't resonate more with the gay community now mm-hmm. than the Christian community, the church. So that's important. Um, but also, uh, although I, I I respect you know, that, that others will say this isn't who I am, I still uh, look at the culture and see how, I don't know, I feel like almost everyone that I know in the world and even in the church still view um, and conflate the term gay with who we are, Mm -hmm. not how we are. And and that's why, um, you know, even in the courts, people will, uh, you know, the judges will actually use, you know, arguments like, you know, it's um, unfair to deny rights to people for simply being who they are. You know, so even the world and the, Mm -hmm. the courts are equating a sexuality with ontology and personhood who they are as opposed to um, what they feel what they do or how they are yeah
1: can you talk a little bit about just your walk and journey and I, I I'm just doing this because I you' I everyone needs to read your book and I so love how you do exactly what you described with just taking both big picture and practical and you really do meld that together but um mm. I so I'm, I'm trying to like look our listeners in the eyes who are going to possibly read this book but then maybe they'll feel their feet on the ground and be like well how do i live today so can you Mm. talk a little bit about your walk with loneliness and i would love for you to lean Mm. into like with even relationships with same-sex friends um Mm -hmm. i feel like there's an extra layer of awkwardness for men in your journey so i get it too with girls acting weird around me and i have to be like i don't like you like that you're not that amazing like calm down <laughs> but, mm, um like, yeah. what's your walk with that how do you both battle the loneliness and then engage in friendships and like i don't just the potential awkwardness
3: yeah i, I think um i don't know i honestly uh you know i think i'm an expert in awkwardness <laughs> <laughs>
1: Like, I mean, if, if I could get
3: a master in anything, it would be a master in awkwardness. Because <laughs> I, mean, I grew up, let me tell you, I mean, you, you just, yeah, you know how you can be like a, a little, nice, cute little baby, and then you grow up and turn five, and then yeah. you're like, you know, I had the humongous glasses, I had the bowl cut, it was, oh, I yeah. was short, you know, and I was Chinese back in the. <laughs> You know, when we were in the Western suburbs in, in Chicago, we're like, there were yeah. no Chinese then. <laughs> now oh, it's man. like tons of Chinese. But back yeah. then in the 70s and 80s. Mm. So I'm kind of used to being awkward. Not that, I mean, I don't like that. You know, of course, no one likes being awkward and kind of standing out. But in a sense, I, um, so God really challenged me. I'll I'll start when I was at Moody, because honestly, that was kind of my first experience of being really a Christian, because in prison, it's it's just a different world there, um, and uh, you're not really exposed to like um, I think like real outside Christian living until you get out of uh, prison. So Moody was like my first experience, and it was it was a culture shock. Hmm. Um, but I think God was really gracious and put me with an amazing uh, roommate, um, and um, he was twelve years younger than me um, but love the Lord. He came to the Lord. Uh, he came to Christ at a young age and I'm thinking, okay, what does this guy know about grace? Come on. I mean, you know, he, you know, he stole his, you know, older brother's bubble gum or something, you know, (laughs) what what else did he really do? Um, but man, I mean, this Joe is his name and he knew God, he knew grace. Um, Mm -hmm. and we were, we are still like polar opposite. We're <laughs> he loves the outside, and I love the outside through the window. You know, <laughs> um, he is amazing at sports. Every single sport, he's really, really, really good at. And I'm not. Uh, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> and you know, I don't know. There's so many things that we're really different. um but we've connected on certain things i mean yeah he, we, he's he's a good musician so he likes he plays guitar and then we've connected there but we've really really connected on our just love for christ and mm-hmm. he's a really really transparent guy i mean he's he'll be the first to tell you that man i just you know i'm wrestling today or i just i just fell or and and he, and he doesn't wrestle with same such attractions but mm-hmm. this is this is the point i want to make um, if I didn't take the risk of, yes, there was awkwardness, but kind of push past that, yeah. um, I would not have been able to, like, develop one of the strongest friendships that I had. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've been best friends since, I don't know, 2001 when we, you know, first became roommates. Um, you know, he named, I was his best man in his wedding, which is pretty cool. I mean, he has three older brothers and, mm-hmm. and you know, and he chose me to be his best man. He named wow. his second kid after me. It's We've got an <laughs> amazing relationship um, that I don't know if I wouldn't um, of just pushed past some of the awkwardness yeah. and extended a lot of grace, and and he extended me a lot of grace, too, um, that um, I I that's the diversity of the body of Christ, you know, yeah. like Paul talks about, the body of Christ. We're not all ears. Mm-hmm. We're not all a pinky. We're not all, you know, a toe. Uh, and that's why the nose needs, you know, the belly button or the, you know, the the shoulder or the armpit, whatever. Right. <laughs> I guess the Bible doesn't talk about the armpit, Not right? So but, but we can add that in yeah. there,
1: right? <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> need all that. And um, if there wasn't, uh, if we so in a sense, I want to maybe challenge our listeners, you know, if you only look for that one person that is just like you, yep. I will really be missing out on the diversity of the body of Christ. People that, you know, that, that guy who you think, he's a hick guy who's totally, you know, what do they call it, like the ever uh, ever, ever straights or whatever that like, you know, would never, you yeah. know, I mean, God can... Yeah, totally. Bless him by him knowing you, and you. God bless you by knowing him. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so, anyway, I think that's important. And also, I think in the midst of kind of just the loneliness, um, uh, I I want to kind of expand the concept of intimacy and and friendship um, because I, I've seen. Uh, how helpful that is, but also with everything, there's also pros and cons. And and here's one deficiency that that I have kind of found um, in our pursuit of um, kind of that best friend or or covenanted uh, friendship is um, we sometimes can miss out on the body of christ because best friends focus on inward on each other Mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes it can be at the expense of the local church so actually you know what i talk about in my book is um i I name a chapter i call it spiritual family Mm
2: -hmm.
3: Um, and i and that came that grew out of my study through scripture i just looked and i studied for friendship um, and I didn't find much, unfortunately. I mean, we'll have, we, you know, we, we need to go to a church history to get m- much of our, uh, you know, the, the the ideas on friendship. Hmm. But I was like, well, but church history hasn't always been completely spot on. And the ones that are spot on is really grounded in scripture. So I went there. And, and what I found was, yes, uh, the Bible does talk about friendship, and that's necessary. But interestingly, like, david and jonathan they're actually never called friends ever once Hmm. but you know what they're called they're called brothers and Mm -hmm. so that then kind of drove me well let's look more into that brotherhood Hmm. and oh my goodness there's a lot on brotherhood sisterhood uh family uh mothers fathers i mean man i mean you can't get anywhere in the new testament without that um Hmm. Actually, the majority of the the times that love comes up in the New Testament, it's about loving our brothers and sisters in Christ. First Corinthians 13. I mean, how many times have we heard that in in weddings, right? A lot. And yes, that can definitely apply to how a husband should love his wife, how a wife should love her husband. But Paul wrote that in the context of the church. (laughs) so love is patient love is kind that's how i'm supposed to love you and that's i'm supposed to love you know each other (laughs) in the body of christ so honestly i think the answer is we need to really begin living as the church as family like yes we have our blood relatives but honestly that's temporary marriage is temporary the only true eternal relationship that we will carry on to heaven is those bound by the blood of Christ. So let's begin living like that now, not Mm -hmm. later, but now. And I think that will really, really help um, Mm -hmm. uh, give us, that I think will really mitigate uh, the loneliness and depression that we often see today.
1: That's really encouraging. And again, it's pausing me to think because people are like, Oh, well, isn't your spouse your best friend? And I'm like, Well, we're we're one. Like, we're one. And then yeah. Matt and I are focused on looking outward and inviting people into this spiritual family that you're talking about, Christopher. So mm-hmm. it's not even about it's that's challenging couples, you know, that's challenging married couples to say, Okay, are you inward focused or are Mm -hmm. you looking out and really trying to invite people not only into your home, which yes, do that, but then too into this thing called the body of Christ. So Mm -hmm. I need to think about that for a little bit more. Um, Christopher, any, any last words, like any final challenge that you would have for the church just You know, as you've been speaking and writing and just, I know for us, as we've been doing this for the last few years, our message evolves and changes and deepens both with culture and then yet stays the same. We get like more courageous (laughs) and more compassionate, but like, what would be like one last challenge that you have for the church?
3: Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I wanted to kind of bring in just the, you know, through my book, the importance of theology and, and kind of that the my last few chapters ending on not only the local church, but the need for discipleship. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, taking serious um, the words of Christ, the Great Commission, um, we often think about that simply as um, salvation, mm-hmm. you know, but Jesus didn't say you know, go and make Christians, go and make converts. Um, He said, go and make disciples. Okay, so how does that relate to what we're talking about now, I think we need to not just think about, well, how am I going to get my gay friends saved? Yeah. Um, you know, it's not just simply about conversion, uh, but it's about life with Christ, union mm-hmm. with Christ. And that happens through discipleship. Um, we're, we're, we're to go and make disciples. It's not just about that prayer or about baptism or whatever it is, it's about a discipleship um, and yeah. that's lifelong. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, that's, that's my, my burden, my, yes. my challenge uh, in my own life to, to obey and, and to do that well.
1: Amen. Well, Christopher, thanks so much for challenging us and causing us to think. And I'm sure, well, and I hope our listeners did as well and we'll take some beautiful things away, but thank you for your book mm. and for your time with us.
3: Yeah. Thanks so much, Matt and Lori. Thanks for having me on.
1: Yeah. And for you listeners, uh, I want to continue some of that friendship conversation. So our question of the week for next week is what is one of your greatest challenges you find in making or keeping deep and lasting friendships? Um, and then, too, if you guys are interested, we really try to lean into this whole disciple making thing. Uh, with some of our our journey while training. And um, we're so grateful to, to go to churches and train youth groups and leaders and things like that to be able to um, to do some of this walking alongside of LGBT people or however they identify really the same way we want to be walked alongside. There's not a special gospel. There's not, I'll joke sometimes it feels like, oh, is there another Bible for this? But it's the same gospel that's good news for Straight people is good news for everybody, but it's uh, just how can we walk that out well so that we can, I don't know, really love people in, in our cultural climate. Um, so you can reach out to us at himhministries.com and click on Journey Well. And two, we love hearing from you. You are, Feel free to, to hit us up with any questions or thoughts or any encouragement. We appreciate that as well. And you can do that encouragement by giving us a review on iTunes. We read them and see them and just thank you. But for all of us here at the Hole in My Heart podcast, we will see you next week. Remember that one time I re- realized I like cosplay because I like to dress up as characters? And
2: then I realized yeah, I was the biggest dork Then there's ever. that. <laughs> Wait, Please tell on me there. you're should, recording.
1: Oh, I need both.
2: Yeah, yeah. You need both to deal with your sassy poppy peas. Sassy. Oh, I
1: there forgot. You see, think I, after like a billion episodes. See, I,
2: I can't have mess. those because otherwise I wouldn't <coughs> be able to.
1: Oh, Matt, you need to get over the beard scratching.
2: <laughs> <laughs> where's the where's the eraser? Oh, is it? oh, it's okay. There you go. There it it's is.
1: Theater of the mind, Matt.
2: The eraser. Yes. Now I have. Dry race fluff in my beard, probably.
1: Your beard's getting super long. Thank you. That was not a compliment. <laughs> it's got some wiry ones.
2: You, there is nothing wiry about this.
1: All right, are we good, Steve, on levels? Uh, I think
0: so. <clears throat> I'd like to hear a little more of Matt.
2: Oh, okay. That's so good. Well, as that's, does that's, everyone. That is say unusual.
1: That. That, no, Lori, that's, shut it down. Everybody wants more. <laughs> <of Matt>. More, <laughs> more cowbell <laughs> slash Matt.
2: I'm the cowbell in this instance. All right. <laughs> Now all I picture is Will Ferrell dancing in (laughs) that, that scene. Anyway.